episode 19 of What's Your Jam? Conversations about what makes us happy over a cup of tea and a jam scone. My guest for this episode is Megan Borodine. She works in tech. She's a programmer. I met her through working at Pledge Me, where she was a programmer for Rabbit, which is awesome. We talk about that later. Uh, and we had a really lovely chat about what's exciting her about tech, how she got into it, uh, where she's hoping to take things in the future. So that's really great. I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope that you are sticking with me for the last two. There's only two more to go and I'm going to, I'm so excited about hitting that milestone. Anyway, here is episode 19 with Megan Burrow-Dean. Thank you so much for coming on What's Your Jam, Megan? No problem. Uh, uh, Your jam, as far as I'm aware, is like tech stuff, like that's your yeah, main thing. Yeah, like in a broad sense. In a broad sense. What's your <laughs> yeah. specific area of expertise? What's your um, thing? So my day job is as a um, web developer at mm-hmm. a company called Show Gizmo here in Wellington. Mm-hmm. Um, Show Gizmo makes a, um, a mobile app for um, event producers and event attendees to mm-hmm. kind of manage their schedules and network and all those kinds of things that you do at events and you'd normally need a a big lot of paper for and kind of replaces all that that's really good yeah Yeah, um yeah so I work there um as a senior software engineer Mm -hmm. kind of uh writing the common code between like the android and the ios app Mm -hmm. yeah Right. I do know some stuff about tech, not very much, so I'm going to try and be able to ask good questions. <laughs> and you haven't always worked there, because when I met you, you were working at Rabbit, because I was right, at Pledge Me, yeah. and Rabbit was working with Pledge Me. Yeah. Uh, and you're a senior now. Has, have you always been in software engineering in, in that sort of area? or? Yeah. Um, like My job at Rabbit was more um, client work, so... Um, as opposed to a product like Show Gizmo, Rabbit was uh, people coming to Rabbit and with a problem and Rabbit coming up with a solution for that. Oh, so right, it was so multiple. responsive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, like in Pledgeme's case, um, Anna um, found that the software wasn't working for her, so Rabbit came along and did a full rewrite of it all and nice. um was able to expand it and add the um the what do you call it the um functionalities I yeah the, the the um the second kind of wave of crowdfunding the, oh the uh, uh the, the, when it changed oh, from just projects yeah, the to equity, that's equity, what, that's that's what, yeah. <laughs> I worked there and I'm like, I don't know, yeah, I don't yeah, know what yeah. it was, but equity, equity yeah. crowdfunding, mm. yeah, and now it does lending as well, which is great, mm. yeah, but you've moved on. Mm. Um, have you always been, have you always been a nerd? Yeah, yeah, a huge one, <laughs> um, like, uh, so growing up, um, I guess at primary school here in Wellington at a Fedo Bay school, Um, I got started pretty early on, um, had a teacher who introduced me to this, um, program called Logo, which let you write little programs to move a turtle around the screen, drawing various things. That's really cute and rings a bell, but I don't think I've ever done that. Yeah, I think a lot of kids in New Zealand of our generation probably 
used it at some point, but it it didn't quite lodge in the same way that it did for me. Yeah, so that turtle, that turtle really got you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess it wasn't really a thing. Like we didn't have a computer at home, mm-hmm. um, so it wasn't until high school that I kind of got back into it a bit I had a friend and we had moved to Martin at that point my family so tiny little rural town in central North Island (laughs) and so there weren't a lot of geeky kids around so it was just me and my friend from church who kind of um, mucked around trying to make little video games and that kind of thing um, so that kind of kept my interest alive. And what kind of games did you make? Oh, um, gosh, I can't even remember now. It was just, uh, it was nothing really complete. It was just, I guess, exploring uh, the software and the hardware at the time. Right. Like, like going, oh, there's this feature. What yeah, can we do with that? Yeah. Oh, we can do that. Great, yeah. move on. Mm. <laughs> like we didn't really have the expertise um, to build everything ourselves. And at the time, there wasn't the the kind of tools there are now Mm -hmm. for doing it yourself. Like, is Unity one of those things for games? Because my husband makes games, so Mm. I'm like, like, I pick up all these words. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, so Unity's a big one. Yeah, Yeah. and then the idea is like a platform where you go, okay, I'm going to make a new level, and it goes, sure, here's Mm. a level Mm. base or Mm. something, and you go, great, I want characters, and it goes, cool, here's some templates. Yeah. Just have a go at this. Yeah. I find that's, that's sort of becoming big in tech, everywhere or like all things online like i mean i do i do a lot of graphic design through canva.com which this week i have told three different people about because they were like help i need to do a thing and i was like <laughs> use canva uh, because it's basically being able to do graphic design with very little actual training mm. because the tools are already there and someone else has already done that design work for you yeah but yeah i never had to do it back in the day when you had to do it from scratch yeah i think it's thing. a case of the hardware getting better so you can um, afford to not have to optimize every single little thing so it will actually run quickly enough mm-hmm. um, and I guess people just like a cultural shift I guess in that they don't need to invent their own thing every time like they don't need to reinvent the wheel mm-hmm. there's a off-the-shelf solution that will actually save them money and time Mm -hmm. and let them build the thing that they want to build. Yeah, Mm. and it might not be as great as if they did build it themselves Mm. and they did have those skills, but it's kind of lovely that things are so available to people. That's really nice. Sorry, so you're in high school? (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) you had games? Yeah, and um, then left for university um, and had some really bad career advice at the time. Mm. Like (laughs) uh, this was a case of a rural school not really being equipped to handle STEM kind of stuff. Uh, So they were just like, oh, well, we don't really know what kind of options there would be for you to continue on with this programming nonsense oh god um, so what did you end up studying so i started doing oh it doesn't exist anymore but it was a fancy 
kind of experimental degree at uh, at Vic um, called a Bachelor of Science in Technology. Oh. So the idea was that it was kind of more practical um, right. than a pure science degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of been replaced by a Bachelor of Engineering now. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, but this was um, mainly focused on chemistry, but we had a uh, one paper, Tech 101, that was a series of guest lectures from um, researchers from places like the McDiamond Institute, which doesn't exist anymore. It's now all turned into um, Crown Research Institute out oh, in yeah. Lower Hutt. Oh, Callahan Innovation. Mm, yeah, my dad yeah. works there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, so we had all these very experienced physics researchers and chemistry researchers and stuff yeah. coming to talk to us about um like superconductors and all sorts of weird and wonderful things are they trying to entice you to the area a bit <laughs> <laughs> i think they they kind of yeah they saw that value in it but unfortunately they weren't really um experienced with talking down to a first year level so it was (laughs) very seat of your pants kind of paper it wasn't very well run by um vic uni and i kind of um i didn't feel like continuing on with it and at that point i'd done a computer science paper as an elective Mm -hmm. and was like okay let's just go with this (laughs) plow through yeah and so yeah switched to a um bachelor of science in computer science and went from there and um was lucky enough to pick up some contract work um with a um a fuel pump manufacturer based in martin (laughs) yeah oh wow yeah um so they were working on kind of their next generation fuel pumps at the time and they needed some software to run on these. And Mm -hmm. so, um, me and my high school friend from Martin, um, wrote these little programs to run on these fuel pumps, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like this is a, like this is coupling like my hometown with, my actual skills mm. that's mm. so lovely are yeah. they still being used probably not right oh, oh i don't know how yeah. long ago was it um would have been 10 years ago oh, and yeah. and kind of that kind of product life cycle they'd probably still be the new thing on the block you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not like um petrol stations replace their fuel pumps too often no, or anything I can't like imagine that they do. yeah yeah, unless like new stations mm. come in, but once they're built, they're like, great, let's leave it here. Let's not mess with the petrol. Mm. It's very flammable. Wow. And so, was that like your first taste of being like, ah, oh, this is this is quite cool. Yeah, yeah. I was um, working on real world problems for once, mm-hmm. um, even if they were very kind of um, obscure <laughs> real world problems. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and oh, sorry. Um, and yeah, it it got it really wet my appetite for continuing on in that yeah. um, that profession. Yeah. 
Um, and was that was that during your study? Was mm, it afterwards? Yeah, it was during. Yeah, so like a I was, summer job yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. And so you finished your degree, and did you go straight into like a great job, or was it like, and now I'm at the well, bottom of the rung of tech world? <laughs> well, unfortunately, um, during this time, I'd been dealing with a lot of gender dysphoria and depression, oh. so I actually ended up dropping out of uni and kind of falling into the first job that came my way and it was luckily due to my um my previous experience um that um a company actually took a risk in hiring me and um and it wasn't a great job but it got my foot in the door at least Oh, great. So you, yeah. you didn't finish your study. You just went, mm. great, I'm working now. Yeah. Where was the first job? Um, at a company called Intellecta. Um, they mm. were they're not very well known, but um, were more focused on enterprise software. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of trying to um, target the... Um, the CRM market, the customer right. relation management tools. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that they were kind of a bit of a graduate mill. Like there wasn't really much room for me to grow um, right. in my career there. So that's when I moved to Rabbit and, yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah. That's really nice. And so you've just been making projects and solving real-world problems. mm but you're also interested, are you still interested in games and making games? Yeah. Because you made yeah. a game with Jim. Yep, that's and right. Jim, who was on here, episode, I want to say episode three was Jim. Uh, yeah, it's during Game Jam. Mm-hmm. And is that something that you're, does that, does that excite you as much as solving real world problems does? Or Yeah, so I guess um, at this point in my career, I've kind of reached this awkward point where I guess I've, reached as far as I can go um with my own skills Mm -hmm. and so I'm a a senior developer and have all these um these kind of responsibilities along with that but I can't really see a clear path forward Mm -hmm. and um I don't know if I really want to continue in the the web development mm-hmm. kind of focus anyway. Um, so the thing that excites me about games development mm-hmm. is the... Um, I guess I've always really been interested in, um, in empathy and mm-hmm. allowing people to experience other people's experiences and better understand and connect with people and so I think a a huge thing that uh, games are increasingly doing Mm -hmm. is um, increasing the ability for people to feel empathy with one another and different experiences Um, so that's something that really excites me about games and it's something I'd really love to get into in the future Mm. um it is kind of the 
the developer um, equivalent to running off and joining the circus. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I'm going to go make games, but there's crunch times and yeah. really stressful work hours. Well, not always, but yeah. they can be. And, yeah. you know, there's not always, it's a, it's a very risky, I guess, industry. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's quite difficult to, I guess, like if, you, if you're going to go for an indie game, there might be a lot of work before, <clears throat> like you're probably not going to make the next uh, Angry Birds like no, that's no. that's probably statistically it's probably not going to happen yeah but if you can sort of get that indie game out there that that does get a bit of a following and then you can make some more mm, yeah mm. the one that you made uh in the game jam was it what what platform was it on um so that was using unity and mm-hmm. um you know you can pretty much compile it for anything these days so you can run it on your mm-hmm. phone and um cool. windows and mac and all the rest mm-hmm. um which is really neat like yeah. <laughs> back in my day you certainly couldn't do that you know oh. back at high school when i was um programming a turtle yeah <laughs> no the turtle was earlier yeah. the turtle was primary school yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah um that's, that's really lovely it's really mm. nice having games that like like using that aspect of games because i think gaming kind of tends to have a really bad rap for for probably a good reason with Mm. all like the number of games where you just shoot people you know like the amount of like war games Mm. and like great this is a first person shooter like the fact that there's just like first person shooters are such a huge category and you're like that's actually terrifying Mm. like that that's that that's the dominant sort of model whereas like the games that i really enjoy have been the ones where there's like sorry like a narrative or like really fun mechanics or hilarious just hilarious things like i really enjoy world of warcraft mm. but like when it's being stupid like, <laughs> when i'm like oh my gosh you just taught me how to punch through a fence and now i'm gonna punch my way out of a monster's tummy <laughs> what this doesn't make any sense but i'm into it <laughs> so i'm like i want silly and i like the empathy yeah um i think the last one i played that was the empathy it was like gone home Oh yeah, that, Gone Home's wonderful. That's yeah. the one where you're like walking around the house yeah, and yeah. finding out what's and happened in the house. It, it caused a real tizzy in oh, really? the the games industry and um, the player base about whether it was really a game or not. Because, because... you're not uh, there's you know there's there's theory around games about the. Um, the kind of the basic game loop that happens around um, a player performs uh, action and receives a reward and um, something prompts the player to perform another action and they receive another reward so you've got that cycle going through your game Um, and Gone Home doesn't have that it's just uh, you just walk around you know and just explore it's basically like point and click right you just yeah. click things until you've uncovered the whole story yeah and so it's kind of the reward is just clicking the right thing mm. but but yeah that's true it didn't have that yeah it didn't have that sort of loop yeah. mm. which is one another reason i really like games is just that really quick feeling of winning mm. <laughs> just yeah. just that that buzz you get from going like yeah i did it yeah. which is probably why I like those games that are never ending are really terrible for me like, <laughs> like bejeweled and mm-hmm. my favorite tetris, was, tetris. Yeah. i used to be so freaking good at tetris <laughs> it was so bad but i lo- I'm, i think what i need to play are games that have like a definitive end beginning and end because if i played the ones that are just forever mm. oh my god i'm really glad that those like phone games now have built into them like 
that it costs you oh, energy right. to do yeah. <laughs> And like you can buy more energy, but I'm not buying energy. Yeah. That's terrible. Uh, what kind of games do you like playing? What's your What's your favorite game at the moment? Oh, my absolute favorite game of all time is another another one of these kind of interactive narrative games. I guess uh-huh. is the best way you can describe them. Yeah. Um, it's called. Um, Jeez, my mind has gone blank. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's called Life is Strange. Oh, I've heard of that game. Yeah. I think it's on my list of things that I should try. Yeah. So it's an interactive narrative one. Yeah, it's a bit more of a game than some of the others. Mm -hmm. Um, The the concept is that the main character um, suddenly discovers she has the power to... um, to rewind time Ooh. for a short like span mm-hmm. so um there's kind of the usual um the usual kind of dialogue choices and that kind of thing mm-hmm. but when you make a choice you can rewind time and pick one of the other choices oh. so you can see what the immediate reaction is and change that but you don't know what the long-term consequences are because there's a limit on how far you can rewind time. Right. So it actually has this really interesting effect where it feels like um, the choices might not be as meaningful because you can just choose, you know, switch between them. Mm-hmm. But actually they make you far more invested in them because you've, you had the capacity to change it and you didn't. You yeah. know, and you went, yes, I'm sticking with that. Yeah, if you pick something and then go back and change it, can you go back and go back to the first thing again? Yeah, okay, great. Mm. <laughs> I was just thinking yeah, about how yeah. frustrating that would be to be like, I changed and ah, oh, no, that's not what I want. And there's also, I guess, a mechanic there where um, you can um, ask someone a question about something and they can tell you about that information and you can use rewind and use that information that you learn later straight away to kind of manipulate them in a way right and at first it's quite innocent but then you start realizing you know this is actually quite manipulative of me I'm kind Mm. of yeah digging into these people's pasts and um their characters and I I'm not actually making the proper investment to get to know them. I'm just mm. kind of taking shortcuts. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's got quite a strong and emotional story to it as mm-hmm. well. And some very, very hard choices to make. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It sounds like this is exactly like I can tell why you like that given you said you want empathy in games. Mm. Like having that ability to go like, okay, that response was not great. I'll pick something different and understanding like your motivation behind what do I need to do one thing or the other. Yeah. And like the fact that you can get information on people and then change what you want to do. Like, it's like, I can see that being like a positive and a negative because on the one hand you're being creepy and manipulating them. Mm. But on the other hand, you're recognizing that like knowing something about someone means you can talk to them easier. Mm. So like understanding where they're coming from is going to be better for both of you. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, I mean, I don't know what the actual, questions you ask the people mm. are so it might be really creepy still but <laughs> and yeah, yeah you've got quite a large cast of characters and mm-hmm. they all have quite fleshed out backgrounds to them and mm-hmm. 
it's um it's quite different from a lot of other media where you know you'll have kind of the surface level of the characters and that's all you get to know of them but and it doesn't have the time to flesh everything out but this really lets you go into kind of everyone's stories whether they like it or not and, yeah yeah it's a game they, yeah you, you get to find out everything <laughs> yeah um yeah and I think what kind of brought me back into games in this kind of um realizing that I could I guess start making the games that I want to see in the world mm-hmm. um was Jim um who we mentioned before mm-hmm. lent me this great book called In Bed With Games mm-hmm. um by Cara Ellison who uh was a journalist for a site called Rock Paper Scissors a gaming site and mm-hmm. she kind of got fed up with the the kind of the triple A games, the shoot 'em ups and all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And was world. like, you know, there must be some cool people in the world making some interesting games. Why don't I just like reach out in my networks and go around the world and interview all these indie game developers? And That's what the book so is. she did. And yeah, this book is fascinating she has a great writing style for a start but these people are are artists pretty much you know they're not um the kind of um i guess coal miners that uh is the the common depiction of game developers um just like all in rows just typing numbers yeah yeah well if you're doing indie game you kind of have to do all of it yourself right yeah you do the art you do Mm. the programming you do the I mean, UI. sometimes you get small teams, but yeah. um, quite often, yeah, people kind of, you know, it's their baby. They can't let anyone else touch it kind of thing. Yeah. Please do it this way, exactly as I want it. Yeah. But no, you know, you do you. <laughs> I'm a visionary, you know. <laughs> you know, like any other artist. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, they. it's a... Games are such a complete immersive experience you've got the audio the visuals the narrative um the actual engagement through game mechanics Mm. and um now with um vr headsets you've kind of got that full almost full body immersion into a game yeah Mm. i i think the fact that vr now is getting so good is like another reason why like the empathy in games has to be so much bigger because mm. like uh we've got a vive the htc vive mm. and i we, the, my favorite one is like this arrow shooting game where you just shoot these little stick figures and they explode into red balloons mm-hmm. and i'm like you know what that's about the f- the highest level of of violence that i want like <laughs> i am physically pulling a bow and arrow yeah. i actually don't want realism in this game i mm. find that terrifying i find that idea just horrifying so i'm like okay what else can we do mm. with this game that's not that creepy uh have you played the with the vibe uh a little bit yeah have you done mm. the um the like because it's just the like, there's a demo game yeah, you, like yeah. which basically goes here's how the game here's how this machine works mm. and the best one is like the slingshot where all the little there's all these little balls that you're just testing. Oh, and, and they've firing. got different like kinds of 
they've all got different voices yeah. yeah yeah and they all talk to you yeah. and like some of them are just like oh man i'm so excited to be this is so great oh my god and like <laughs> it's just like this is delightful and silly i want i want more joyfulness <laughs> and not feeling like i'm like gonna shoot someone for real that's like very creepy to me people are already really bad at empathizing with a hypothetical other person mm. through a network you know like if we then give them the ability to literally do terrible things to each other like yeah i should really be telling my husband this because he's working in vr <laughs> <laughs> like joe this is important you have to listen to the podcast he will i'm sure yeah yeah so are you do you have any um are you planning to move into games are you are you sort of it, dabbling or it's kind of on the side at the moment yeah. um so i'm pretty happy in my current job yeah. um i work with a great team mm-hmm. and solving interesting problems still mm-hmm. i guess you know there's a um there's a point where they won't need me as much mm-hmm. anymore and it will be a point where I feel comfortable moving on. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I guess I'll see what's out there, you know? Yeah, what's available. Yeah. So I, I am working on a game on the side. Um, Is it secret? Is it a secret no, game? No, not really. <laughs> like, um, So the idea came out of a game jam called Asylum Jam which um, is a, like most game jams, it's create a game in 48 hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And in this case... It's a film festival of games. Yeah. Yeah. And in this case, um, it was create a horror game without using mental illness as a element to it. That's great. So... You're not allowed to have any crazy mm, people... Yeah. yeah great yeah That's so really, really cool right yeah yeah um and unfortunately i didn't get the game i wanted to build finished in 48 hours but it was such a interesting concept for me that i've kind of continue, continued to build it as i've had the spare time mm-hmm. so oh it, it is quite a heavy game i guess like um, are you familiar with kind of the the heat death of the universe? Like that whole concept? <laughs> like, yeah, off to a great start, right? Are you familiar with the heat death of the universe? Yeah. It's coming. It's yeah. inevitably coming. So, yeah. so this is kind of like, you know, trillions of years in the future, um, the, the universe is going to cool to the point where no new stars are being born and okay. all the existing ones are being swallowed up with black holes and that kind of horrifying this like, is coming yeah uh, <laughs> and yeah so you're essentially the last um the last living thing alive at the end of the universe and it's like um you know that kind of existential horror but also i want to bring an element of hope into that (laughs) that's that is ambitious and it's great yeah (laughs) like yeah and the heat death of the universe has come but still yeah you know it it's kind of 
um, there's this great comic book that I I really love called Low, and it's it's kind of I guess a similar concept in that it's about the Earth when the sun has started expanding into a red giant Mm -hmm. and um it's about this woman on earth who's i guess an eternal optimist to the point of almost silliness Mm -hmm. and um her family is kind of very doom and gloom about the oceans boiling off the earth kind of thing and she's trying to find hope and inspire hope in this kind of hopeless situation Mm -hmm. and I found that really quite compelling and this is kind of taking it to the the logical extreme in a way (laughs) and it's kind of also inspired by um, a short story Isaac Asimov did called The Last Question Mm -hmm. um, which is Kind of about a similar um, thing with entropy reaching its limit, the heat death of everything, mm-hmm. and um, the final question is how can we reverse entropy? So it, it's kind of touching on those themes, and it's also like what would humanity look like in trillions of years? Like mm-hmm. we've kind of probably evolved past our concepts of um of even um you know cyborgs and that kind of thing um and so I kind of wanted the the character that you play to I guess try because they feel so hopeless try and recapture some of that humanity and um what you know drove humanity to the the extent that it did yeah that sounds like a very (laughs) bold horror (laughs) and it also but like just the fact that it's like let's find hope in death sounds like it's gonna be funny as well but like (laughs) That might be a very, maybe it's just me being like, I would find something to laugh at because that would sure, be direct. Yeah. That would be distracting for me. Yeah. Uh, wow. That's amazing. And is, are you just going to make it and then be like, hey, everybody, I made this thing? Yeah, pretty much. Great. Yeah. Well, I hope it gets made. I hope it gets finished. Yeah. Uh, and um, that sounds really cool. Is there anything else like really exciting about, about your, your the world of technology and programming that? It's on your radar, or um, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> exciting stuff. Um, I guess the the other area of tech that I've been involved in mm-hmm. is um, information security to some extent. Oh yeah. Um, so I've spoken at KiwiCon and here in Wellington, which was a um, former, uh, unfortunately, former um, conference about information security and Mm -hmm. um, just a really 
fun time. <laughs> Did it just have its last one? Yeah. And they announced it like on the last day or something yeah. that it was the last one? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Because I suppose they didn't want it hanging over the whole conference like, this is the last one. Mm. Oh, that's cool. So like NFS security is like uh, just keeping, it's like it's literally what the title says, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. Literally keeping like, your information secure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, there has been an increase in awareness in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's kind of all this somewhat hysterical talk by um, governments about cybersecurity and all that kind of thing. Um, but a more rational approach by tech people to, I guess, get some public engagement about these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been quite a few high-profile security issues that have affected large parts of the internet mm-hmm. and compared to 10 years ago i would say the response has mostly been good mm-hmm. um was what were what were the responses like 10 years ago um it was fairly common for um this is coming back i guess to the the stuff we were talking about before about tools kind of being hand written and oh yeah yeah, Yeah. and people not using off the shelf Mm -hmm. things so a lot of software remained unpatched for many years because it was too hard to to fix right so you Um, build something you put it out there and you go cool done mm. and then people find problems in it and the people who make it go yeah it sucks whatever yeah yeah i suppose as well as that like just the ability to patch things mm. has probably increased significantly like it's much easier now to go okay this program needs an update i'll just do that straight away because everything's connected mm. instead of it being like oh i better download this thing which will take a million hours mm. yeah so a lot of people have moved towards hosting websites and web apps and um related things on cloud servers Mm -hmm. which is a buzzword that gets talked about a lot Mm -hmm. but it's basically some company other than yourself manages the the server um hardware Mm -hmm. and to some extent the software for you right and what that's allowed is some common tools to evolve across these cloud platforms that um, allow security updates and that kind of thing to be Mm. distributed fairly easily. Yeah. So I think that's helped a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Though in other ways that brings its own issues because if you've got all your customers' data being managed by someone else Mm. um who's to say the nsa or five eyes or whatever aren't um you know listening in on that without your knowledge so is the info security in this sense is it's kind of keeping people's details safe not just from like 
keeping people's private information safe, not just from like people who want to steal your credit card number, mm. but from like governments and agencies yeah. being like, great, we've got a snapshot of all these people's stuff. Mm. Like really maintaining that level of privacy. Mm. My, I, I also was just thinking then about the, the other big thing that people hear about with inf- like security breaches being like, you know, phone hacking where people's photos get st- stolen. Yeah. You know, leaked nudes and shit like that. Yeah. And how much the response can be like, well, it's your fault you put it on the internet mm. instead of like, you're right, someone stole your shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think that we used to have that attitude about like, about, about content. Like if you put a document online, you were just asking mm. for it to be taken mm. or for it to be, to be, uh, you'd hear on me, um, <laughs> for it to be, yeah, for like if someone stole it, then what, of course, what were you thinking? Mm. Um, but, you know, it's the, the same old story as anything else. If you just blame people, um, that's not going to fix the problem. No. They're not going to react well. The The better thing to do is more upfront education and when breaches inevitably do happen, then, yeah, don't blame them. Just try and work with them to... Mm-hmm to fix the problem and make sure it doesn't happen in the future. Yeah, that's mm. really solid. Um, yeah, it's, it's about teaching people empathy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's never a game which is like you're uh, you're an infosec manager and all the data gets leaked and then you <laughs> have to be nice to people <laughs> about them making mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> because everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. Oh, man. There's this... Um, this great Twitter account called Swift on Security, oh, which I've seen that. yeah, which is someone um, taking on the persona of Taylor Swift as a info <laughs> sec, <laughs> information security right. um, yeah. expert, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, that I think that's done more for raising the the public consciousness of of having empathy for users in the the wake of security breaches and that sort of thing than anything else most you know experts have done that's so great yeah there's a spoof twitter account that's making people realize that people are people yeah it's so interesting like when you start mm. going like oh well you just have to remember that people are are just normal people who make mistakes or normal people who are just being affected by other people's mistakes mm. and like assume the best about them yeah and just help them yeah come on games come on games come on tech teach us how to be better people yeah yeah <laughs> like you know that's ultimately what tech should be focusing on trying mm-hmm. to solve people's problems for the better mm-hmm. um there's a certain attitude from more old school developers i guess Mm -hmm. that you know it's just about solving cool tech problems divorced from humanity i guess yeah and like that's not how tech works no tech is for people yeah yeah Mm. (sighs) utopian i love it (laughs) (laughs) it's really nice attitude yeah um great well uh thank you so much it's really interesting stuff and I, I'm really, I want to play your game. So uh, when you've made it, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need a copy. Okay. And I'll share it on here as well so other people will play it as well. Yeah. And we'll give you money for it, I hope. Yeah. I hope you sell it. 
Because like so many games are like a dollar and I'm like, ugh, a dollar. And yeah. I'm trying to like change that <laughs> to be like, no, they someone had to make that. Yeah. I will pay money for it. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for coming. And I hope you have a lovely rest of Fringe. If you haven't been to any Fringe shows, you should. I have. Actually. Yay. Yeah, I went to uh, Z Queer as Fuck. <gasps> Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Reed yeah. was on the show as well. Oh. Yeah, they were great. Yeah. Yeah, really, really interesting show and in your face. Mm. And they were great to talk to. We had, It's like episode seven. I don't know. Everything's a blur. Thanks for coming on What's Your Jam. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Dean. that was What's Your Jam, uh, episode 19. That's pretty awesome. Uh, it was really lovely to talk to someone who's not a performer. Um, I think I've managed to get a good mix of people who are performers and people who aren't, but sometimes you forget that uh, there are people that aren't performers in the world when it's the middle of Fringe Festival. That's just what happens. Anyway, two more episodes. Check out whatsyourjam.nz if you uh, want to check back on any of the previous episodes. And uh, I hope you are having a beautiful sunny day. Thanks for listening. Two more to go. Ciao. What's Your Jam is recorded in Wellington and is part of the New Zealand Fringe Festival 2017. Music by Robbie Ellis. Casual interference and support from Molly the Cat. Tea provided by Tea Leaf Tea on Manor Street. Jam expertly crafted by Bachmans. This show is hosted and produced by me, Jennifer O'Sullivan, and you can find useful links, more episodes, and suggest future guests by visiting whatsyourjam.nz. Thanks for listening.